2%. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chats. I'm Jim Gould and Ada Wong is your guest presenter. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about uh, Hong Kong's uh, prison conditions amid plans to redevelop the Lai Chi Kok Reception Centre. The administration is planning to spend $5.5 billion on an upgrade uh, for the centre which holds remand prisoners awaiting trial. The work would include uh, prayer rooms, a dental clinic, a library, sports facilities and uh, revamped visitation rooms. The Secretary for Security, Chris Tang, has stressed that the redevelopment would be uh, no frills and fit for purpose. He also dismissed criticism from some legislators that the project was too costly and that the prison would resemble a five-star hotel. In terms of the wider prison population, how far should we go in accommodating inmates' needs and do we have adequate means to rehabilitate offenders effectively? Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page at Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 8826. That's 233 8826. And after 9.45, we'll talk to an expert on bed bugs with uh, infestations apparently on the rise worldwide. Um, joining us now on the line, we have uh, legislator Adoreen Kong. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Ada. Uh, thanks good for morning. joining us. Thanks for joining us. And a little later, we'll be speaking to um, Azan Mawa, who's uh, a Hong Kong uh, barrister. Um, Adoreen Kong, good morning. So, um, you um, yes, I think first of all, I think as you said, five, uh, 5.5 billion is not a small sum of money, mm. especially under, you know, the current economic climate. And if we think about, you know, five point, what, what can 5.5 billion actually mean, right, to citizens? If you take, for example, 600,000 or 700,000 to build one public rental housing unit, 5.5 billion will be sufficient to build 7,000 public mm. rental housing units for Hong Kong people. So I think first, we need to be very cautious to spend such a huge sum of taxpayers' money. And secondly, I think in the, um, in the meeting of the, um, the public works panel, I raised a question to the Correctional Services Department, um, which actually I, I, I did not get an answer. For example, this is the recept a reception centre, not a normal prison. Mm -hmm. For reception centres, usually, the persons in custody, maybe perhaps they are waiting for, um, for example, sentencing, or maybe they are waiting for trial or even appeal. So sometimes the period, the time that they spend in the reception centre, of course, may be shorter than in a prison. So therefore, I ask for the average number of days that usually these persons in custody will spend in this reception center. But very, I think, uh, unluckily, uh, the, uh, the government official said they did not have this kind of statistics, which I find, <laughs> you know, quite amazing, right? Usually it's, it's not, very, you know, something very difficult, right, to gather. 
So without this, for example, this kind of information, how can I be, you know, convinced to spend 5.5 billion taxpayers' money to upgrade, upgrade the condition? This is number one. Number two, in Hong Kong, actually, we do have other reception centers serving the same purpose. We need to know whether those reception centers can help to take up this extra capacity, right, in, you know, in uh, accommodating the persons in, char- in custody. So this is, I think, somehow the government also need to let us know whether other reception centers can serve the same purpose. Number three is about the demand. The government also explained in the meetings that actually the number of persons in custody uh, actually has been rising a lot uh, over the past few years. Then I think we need to know the reasons why. For example, is it because the court system is too slow in actually in um, you know dealing with all these cases? If it is because of the inefficiency or our court system, you know, has some problems, you know, in dealing with all these cases, instead of upgrading the reception center, perhaps we need to do something to our judiciary, to our court systems, to try to move quickly, you know, to speed up the cases. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Doreen Kong, yeah, thanks for your views. Um, um yeah, as a justice of peace, I, I have been to prisons and I do see that some of the facilities are quite old. And, um, and perhaps, um, you know, some sort of redevelopment is needed. Um, uh, in, in the, uh, I, I read the Lechco paper, um, the Chinese version. Uh, it does use the word uh, partial redevelopment and uh, a major part of it will be redeveloped. And uh, while, you know, the parts of the main building will be, will be upgraded. So, so this is not, um, you know, a, a small scale project, of course. Uh, it, it's huge. It, uh, it is about redevelopment and uh, perhaps um, um, it is therefore justified, uh, you know, with the 5.5 billion. Because at, at first glance, I thought, wow, you know, that is also a very big sum. Uh, and uh, so, so I think the sum uh, is about um, uh, not just upgrading, but redeveloping. What, what's your views on that? I think for redevelopment, perhaps um, they need more capacity. The, actually, the increase in capacity is only 400-something you know, um, spaces, places for the persons in custody. I really wonder whether the other reception centers can take up these 400-something places. Mm. So I, I fully agree with you that 5.5 billion is not a small sum. We need to have all the justifications. Otherwise, I think we are not doing a good job. Mm. Um, um, as you say, uh, the Lychee Cock uh, Reception Centre, I mean, it's different from um, other prisons in that uh, it's for people on remand who uh, maybe have yet to go to trial or, as you say, maybe awaiting an appeal. Um, do you think the, uh, the, the way um, the facilities are designed and allocated should be different in uh, a remand centre and uh, a regular prison? It all depends, actually, how long do they spend in this reception center. For example, if they only stay for one or two weeks, or, you know, whether they will stay, for example, a few years. That is a very important question, actually. But I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite sad that the government cannot give me the answer. 
Right. I'll be also interested to know the figures uh, because, uh, as you have read, and all of us have read, that um, that there is a long queue, you know, for the trial dates. I'm not sure whether it's the court system or or whatever, but um, uh, I I have read some figures that um, it is not a few weeks, and sometimes it's not just a few months. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. we note that some people have been there for over a year. So yeah. and and that that means that um, or perhaps uh, the last few years have been very unusual for Hong Kong, and yeah. so um, so therefore perhaps in the future we don't have uh, that many. But but nobody knows. Yeah, and and I question. think this reception yeah. this reception center is actually um, you know uh, I think a key institution to to take um, uh, you know these people in remand. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, um, the question, the issue that you just raised is whether this kind of demand is long-term or just short-term because of 2019. If it is only a short-term, and if we know how many days or why, the reason why they need to stay there for so long, maybe we do not need to spend the 5.5 billion. Maybe we can spend a smaller sum of money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I saw some figures. Uh, certainly, at the end of uh, 2021, the the overall occupancy rate in the, uh, the territory's correctional institutions was about was down to about 75 percent. But uh, there was a lot of pressure on uh, Lai Chi Kok uh, because of uh, presumably a lot more people on remand because of uh, the unrest of 2019 and the knock-on effects from that. But, uh, but yeah, understand um, what you're saying about uh, perhaps uh, uh, if we were able to speed up the system of dealing with it a bit, then um, it, it, it would relieve the pressure on the facility. Yes, mm. yes, mm. yes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, v- v- very good of you to join us uh, this morning. I know you, you can only be with us uh, till uh, 9.15, um, which is where we are now. Doreen Kong, um, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Bye. Bye. And uh, so um, also with us is uh, Azan Marwa, who's a practicing Hong Kong barrister. Good morning to you. Good thank, morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, um, so uh, where do you stand on this? The, the five and a half um, billion dollars, as we've mentioned, it's a, it's a large sum. It's a lot of money to be spent on uh, renovating uh, this remand facility. Well, I have to say, um, anyone who's visited Lai Kok Reception Center would probably be in favor of the uh, proposed reno- renovation and redevelopment. Um, I, I, it's, it's been some time since I've done criminal work, uh, but I, I do know it's also another category of prisoners who uh, visit the remand center, including uh, those who are in prison for breach of court orders and uh, civil penalty. So uh, I have been to the prison relatively recently and have also spoken with prisoners, and I appreciate Ada will have done so as well, um, who tell me that uh, the worst thing about Hong Kong prisons, including the remand center, are the, are the facilities themselves, uh, because the people inside are lovely. The Correctional Services Department has a very good reputation. It's the conditions inside which are really awful. Um, and I know from experience visiting the Lychikok Reception Center, it's just totally inadequate uh, from the visitation rooms uh, to the facilities that the, um, that the uh, prisoners are staying in. It's just, it's just in total need of, uh, of reform and renovation. 
And I would add to that um, that this, I agree with what Ada said, this is probably the most important facility in correctional, correctional services in Hong Kong. It, it really, uh, it, it's, it's very important to the proper functioning of the, uh, of the legal system. Uh, okay, okay. Could you just uh, go into a, a little bit more about um, when you say the facilities are totally inadequate? In what way? I mean, a lack, lack, of, lack of space, uh, air conditioning. What? What? Um, oh, it's, what it's all of those things. The temperature control uh, is is very poor. The the condition of the cells is very poor. Uh, the dining facility also very poor. Um, all, all of these things are really well out of date. I'm not sure of the date on which these facilities were last rebuilt. Uh, but they're really showing wear and tear. Uh, I would rely on, in fact, I would encourage the legislators to go and speak with justices of the peace who have actually been into the facility and perhaps go and speak with uh, persons who have formerly been using the facility, whether uh, as visitors or as prisoners, and, and they will hear just about how poor things are going in there. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, because I'm a lawyer, I'm very concerned with uh, the legal visitation rooms. Um, they are currently, there aren't enough uh, rooms, and the rooms that exist are not properly temperature controlled. Uh, they are using basically like um, old shipping containers, which have been uh, transformed, and they are they are <laughs> awful, particularly in summer months. They're ju they're just un unbelievably terrible conditions. It's very hard to spend time in there. Right, and um, well, the uh, if this passes, let's go, uh, Mr. Mawa. The um, uh, that there will be like twenty visitation rooms. Do you think um, that's enough, or because there are like fifteen hundred um, uh, people remanded there? In a word, no. <laughs> Um, but uh, if, frankly, I understand the pressures that uh, correctional services and the government are under. There's a lot of call uh, for space in Lychikok Reception Center. Um, 20, 20 rooms is almost certainly not adequate. And anyone who's visited the visitation waiting room can see the, the, the buildup that's there. And I would say that that's not merely a question of convenience for prisoners, a question of convenience for prisoners and visitors. It's a security problem. You cannot have hundreds of people, in, uh, especially those from outside of the prison, in a small space waiting for hours and hours. It's, it's a very dangerous uh, situation, and, and really it's what, what, why we need um, urgent um, renovation of the facility. Yeah, but the, um, I mean, the newly redeveloped uh, facility um, in a number of years uh, would uh, only increase capacity by 400, 500. Now, that, that is um, not a big number. At the moment, I read that um, it, the capacity is 1,500, but now it, you know, it has uh, at any day maybe 1,600. So, um, so what, what does that mean? Do, do you think that um, uh, maybe you don't want to comment on the court system? Uh, are we actually taking a long time to um, in the queue? So, or are there other ways that we can have speedier trials? Uh, what, what are the issues? Well, I, I welcome some of the questions that were raised by Doreen Kong, particularly about um, uh, the, the court system. It, it, it's not a problem with the courts. It's a problem with the number of courts and the number of judicial officers. And uh, I know both the Law Society and the Bar Association ha have been calling for both quietly and, and publicly for an increase in capacity. Um, 2019, 2020, uh, it's 
perfectly true to say that this increased uh, increased the pressure on the courts, but it was an existing concern. Um, there, there are a few uh, judicial facilities currently under construction or um, being being developed, but uh, but frankly, we, we do need more judges and more courtrooms. But we just had a new um, law court in West Kowloon. Uh, that looks like a huge building uh, with a number of courts. Um, uh, so, um, is it really a hardware, or, or do we need more judges? Uh, we do need more judges. <laughs> we, we need we need both. And you can see that 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 hardware has immediately uh, basically in full time use. Um, it's taken overflow from the high court, overflow from the district court. Uh, and certainly, um, it's, I think I believe it houses the small claims tribunal. Um, th- but you, at the end of the day, for uh, it's not just the courts, it's the court days. And court days means judicial officers. And there, there really is a need uh, for the judiciary to recruit more judicial officers, which in my opinion means uh, more spaces and probably better salary. Um, a, a lot of people may say, I mean, not only here, I mean, wherever you go, really, uh, that in terms of, uh, you know, if someone's uh, in prison, then that means uh, they've done something uh, not good and uh, they're there as, uh, you know, in order to be um, uh, penalised and lose their liberty. And you wouldn't expect them to have uh, uh, extremely uh, comfortable surroundings. But obviously, there's. Uh, there's, there's got to be a sort of a, a medium, um, a happy sort of a happy medium, if you like. And one of the one of the roles of the prison system, of course, is is rehabilitation and mm. uh, and um, educating and and training prisoners for life uh, when they get to outside again. Um, this the the, the Lychee Reception Centre. Uh, 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 a lot of the people there haven't been to trial yet. They haven't been convicted. They might not be convicted. I mean, should we uh, should we be um, making a distinction between facilities there and in uh, regular prisons? Well, uh, not only should we be, but we do. Mm. Um, there, there's something called the Mandela Rules. Uh, those are the uh, standard minimum requirements, um, which are set up by the United Nations and endorsed by virtually all countries, in- including our own national government. Uh, and they do require separate facilities for remand prisoners as opposed to convicted prisoners. Uh, and there are ser- ser- several other categories. Um, there are minimum requirements for how we treat human beings, um, whether, they're in, uh, whether they're imprisoned post-sentence or, or pre-conviction. And uh, I, I saw some of the complaints uh, reported uh, from um, uh, Mr. Junius Ho, and respectfully, they, they do. Uh, well, I thought they must be misquotations because they display a level of, of ignorance about the requirements for uh, humanely housing people. Uh, say, for example, the complaint is raised that there will be uh, worship facilities for religious prisoners. Uh, I think a mosque and a, and a church. Uh, uh, this is a minimum requirement that the entire civilized world has accepted for more than 70 years. Uh, I would say much longer than that, but the, the 1955 Mandela rules have been there at least since, uh, since 70 years ago. And uh, I, I just don't understand that criticism. I also don't understand the, the suggestion that the facilities that are being built are five-star accommodation. Clearly, he's neither looked at the plans nor visited Lychukok Reception Center. Uh, it, it doesn't fit that description. Either that or, or Mr. Ho is staying in subpar accommodation when he travels. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Uh, Junius Ho, uh, also a legislator who raised these uh, issues um, 
in the council last week. Um, but uh, one idea that was put forward as well, uh, which might sort of uh, improve matters and also be less costly, was the idea of uh, introducing smart prisons. I mean, um, I think the first institution, uh, the Taitam Gap Correctional Institution, has, has become a, a smart prison. I mean, do, do, you, do you have any thoughts about that? Or? You'll, you'll have to remind me. I'm new to this uh, concept of smart right, prison. Right. I'm not, I'm, I'm you're not, talking about I'm the not, Finnish model. I'm not sure exactly what it involves, but... Uh, um, I was <laughs> I was hoping perhaps perhaps you might or, or one of our other guests might or, or maybe even uh, Ada might have an idea. Um, I I'm not quite sure. Well, you know, in in uh, I, I know that um, uh, I think it it probably related to the monitoring system. You know, to have more cameras mm -hmm. and to have more like smart key systems installed. Um, in the past, I, you know, a prison I visited 15 years ago, you know, the, the, the guards will have like um, a huge bunch of keys and they have to find the right key to open this door. And uh, perhaps in, in a smart system, you don't need to do that, uh, etc. But perhaps my understanding is probably not holistic. Mm. Um, but but I would say it is probably on a more operational level, so that uh, perhaps um, uh, there could be like a slight reduction of manpower needed. Is that the trend, uh, as you know, Mr. Mawa, of uh, turning well, prisons I, to be more smart? Well, certainly, I know that there have been. I mean, including including the proposals here are to make the prison more efficient and effective, mm. uh, because uh, <coughs> it. You have buildings which were built in the colonial period, uh, in the immediate post-war period. Some of them uh, built pre-war. Um, they are not designed for uh, Hong Kong and Hong Kong people as it is now. They're not designed for the standards as they are now. Uh, and they weren't really designed for rehabilitation and um, reintroducing prisoners back into the community. Um, now we know a lot more about uh, scientifically about how to treat prisoners. Um, I, I thought you were going to refer to the, the Finnish model and, and the, the possibility of introducing a, a completely different approach to rehabilitation and reintroduction of prisoners into Hong Kong society. Um, that is the sort of thing that we, we ought to be exploring because in a way it's not really a solution long term, both on the um, re, um, rehabilitation and re, um, reoffending scale for prisoners simply, to, for us to simply increase the number of people that we put in prisons. We need to be reintroducing people into society in a way that they're not going to reoffend and we're not going to see increases in the number of offenders. So, so how do they do it the, in Finland? What, how does the Finnish model work? Well, um, you can see they, it's a bit closer to what uh, some people might understand as open prisons. So they do, they do uh, separate prisoners out into those who are more likely and, and, and less likely uh, to be able to uh, be reintroduced into society. They, uh, they often uh, they, they focus much more on training prisoners to, uh, to take up jobs. Many of them then do take up jobs while they are in prison. Um, they they sleep in rooms effectively without without locks. They sleep in uh, at, during the day. They may leave the prison so they can go to work. It, effectively, it's it's a bit more like um, housed monitored probation, with a strong emphasis on rehabilitation and uh, retraining. Hmm. Um, 
and right, Jim. I I read the electrical paper. You know, yes. the smart prison includes some um, um, image um, analytics uh, and monitoring. Um, mobility and um, you know positioning monitoring and uh, uh, smart um, health monitoring and a central sort of temperature uh, monitoring. Uh, I guess you know if somebody's having a fever, you can uh, see it through images, mm-hmm. um, etc. And also keys, smart keys, and um, you know going in, going out, and also there are like now smartphones uh, for some prisoners to make calls. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that there are lots of areas where technology can help. Yeah. You know, yes. Um, but but I would say okay. Uh, I think the Lai Chi Kok Center was built in the nineteen seventies. Let's say it's nineteen seventy five. Um, Fifty years old uh, building. Um, you know, uh, these systems could be installed without a full redevelopment. What do you think, Mr. Mawa? Uh, that may or may not be possible. I mean, a lot of these older buildings are not really conducive to wireless technology. Uh, that might be a significant problem. Uh, a lot of the sewage systems and electrical systems, I mean, after f- 50 years, uh, I doubt that the building is actually standing up that well. Uh, it's, um, it's sort of hidden capacity for infrastructure is, is probably not great. Um, I, this, this government, um, for them to be asking for this amount of money to redevelop the prison and improve improve its efficiency by increasing the number of remand prisons prisoners that can be held is probably a very smart use of space because what is the alternative you are uh, you are overusing other facilities uh, until 2019 some prisons were being shut down due to underuse and uh, that, and I do know, uh, perhaps anecdotally, but also from pe- people speaking to people working in the prison system, that the that the profile of prisoners in Hong Kong is changing. You're, you're seeing much shorter term prison sentences as as more of the norm. Uh, and the kinds of facilities that we should be uh, we should have, they're fundamentally different when you have this kind of uh, 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 cross section of prisoners. Okay, that's 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 very interesting. Perhaps we can return to that point in just a moment. We've got to take a short break for a news summary and uh, a couple of uh, government uh, announcements. Uh, let's just have a quick look at the weather. Mainly cloudy, slightly cooler in the morning and at night. Uh, the outlook uh, again cooler in the mornings. Uh, winds will. Uh, strengthen um, uh, currently um, yeah it's, it's actually temperatures will be dropping to around 17 degrees in the morning later in the week it's currently 20 degrees humidity 73 percent here's a new summary with Haley Yip an expert on geopolitics and foreign policy says he expects Beijing and Washington to work together and iron out their differences during this week's APEC summit Brian Wong, an assistant professor of political philosophy at the University of Hong Kong, also said the SAR has to find ways to avoid being caught up in Sino-U.S. tensions. Hamas health officials say all hospitals in northern Gaza have ceased to function as the sites have become a focal point in Israel's ground offensive. The IDF claims the facilities are being used to conceal Hamas positions, which medics deny. Israel has blamed Hamas for the chaotic situation. And the former American basketball star, Stefan Marbury, has applied for the Top Talent Pass scheme and could work with one of Hong Kong's clubs to promote the sport in the future. The former NBA and CBA star retired in 2018. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock.
The Elderly Healthcare Voucher is a powerful weapon for protecting the elderly. It has been upgraded with the launch of the three-year pilot reward scheme. When you spend at least $1,000 of healthcare vouchers per year on designated primary healthcare services, $500 reward will be allotted to your healthcare voucher account automatically for spending more on such services as health assessment, disease screening, chronic disease management, and more. Make good use of your healthcare vouchers. The government has announced proposals on improving governance at the district level. The Chief and Deputy Chief Secretaries for Administration will personally lead and coordinate district governance. People of different experiences and professions who are familiar with district affairs may enter district councils through various channels. District councils will focus on district affairs and collect and reflect public views to better serve the people. Improve district administration, build a better community. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And we're going to uh, continue our main discussion this morning about uh, prison conditions and plans to renovate the Lychee Kok Reception Centre. We have with us uh, Azan Mawa, who's a Hong Kong barrister, and joining us now, uh, Professor Tobias Brandner, who's a prison chaplain and associate professor at the Divinity School of Chung Chi College. That's at the uh, Chinese University. Uh, good Good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Azan. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, um, a little earlier, um, Azan Marwa was saying that anybody who's uh, uh, used these uh, or, or had to visit uh, Lychee Kok and seen the facilities there would uh, would welcome this uh, upgrade. Um, what, what do you think? Would you agree with that? I 100% agree. Uh, I think the conditions are rather poor. And I think it's a wise decision or a wise plan by the CSD to improve the conditions and, and to uh, do some redevelopment. Actually, I, I agree with nearly every point that my preceding speaker has said about the conditions there. Uh, it's very narrow. It's, uh, there are too many people. It's too crowded. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, so I agree. Mm. Uh, and, right. Uh, um, as far as you know, uh, Professor Brenner, um, could could the uh, prisoners be uh, moved to another facility? I'm sure that you have visited a number of facilities. Yes, uh, that's the problem. Uh, because uh, now a lot of the inmates from Lytikok, because of the already ongoing some uh, redevelopment, um, are moved to Stanley Prison and also because of overcrowding, also to Tungtau Prison, which is next to the big Stanley Prison. And um, that's very difficult because these prisons are not created uh, for prisoner on remand. Prisoner on remand have the right for a personal visit uh, um, every day, uh, 15 minutes. That's for people who are convicted, uh, which is originally the Stanley prison designed for, uh, they have only twice monthly potentially four times monthly a visit of half an hour. And that's a big difference. Uh, so the, uh, now the situation in Stanley is rather difficult because there are actually uh, too many uh, renowned prisoners there and the visiting rooms are not equipped for that. Um, that's uh, for the moment the situation. Yes, I understand that uh, relatives of um, of these uh, you know prisoners in remand uh, have to wait up to two hours. Um, yes, in, in, in the waiting room, and um, sometimes even more. Yes, so, 
So, so in, in, in a sense, um, you know, we, we need uh, perhaps a new facility somewhere uh, for the prisoners in remand. Do you think that redeveloping like Chicok um, is the best solution? Or to yes, find land, or to find land to build another one? No, no, I think uh, redevelopment is the better plan. It probably might also be uh, the, the less costly uh, plan. And I am in principle rather critical about new prisons because if we look at the long-term trend in Hong Kong, I've been here for uh, in the, uh, going to prison for over 25 years, and actually the overall number of inmates, uh, person in custody, including, of course, mainly convicts, uh, has been going down quite significantly. There is now, because of 2019-2020, a certain increase in numbers, uh, but uh, particularly in the area of remand. Um, but uh, overall, the numbers have been dec decreasing. In the early 2000s, we have had, I think at the peak time, it was about 14,000 inmates all over. Uh, pers uh, persons in custody. Uh, now the overall numbers of person, uh, persons in custody is around 8,000 or so. Um, so we are significantly lower, actually. And I don't think that building new prisons will create new uh, inmates, actually. Normally people have a tend uh, or traditional systems have a tendency to fill up the prisons. I think another option where it would, of course, be to... Uh, grant more often parole, uh, sorry, uh, bail for those in remand. But I mean, of course, that's not the decision uh, up to me. It is simply my opinion as a citizen. Um, uh, and this is a traditional decision, but I think the bail is not uh, sufficiently enough granted. And what about in terms of rehabilitation? Um, in terms of the, uh, the the needs of the prisoners, their their educational and religious yeah. needs, uh, how well are they catered for? Uh, well, I try my best to cater for, uh, to, together with uh, some colleagues, to cater for religious needs. But we could do much more. Uh, we are we we, we don't do uh, by far enough. But that's a matter of the religious bodies. Uh, in terms of rehabilitation, I would say much much more could be done. And I think this is a question of allocation of staff. Uh, nowadays, uh, the great majority of staff is allocated for uh, security uh, purposes. But much more could be, I, I would think actually putting more people into rehabilitation, including uh, education, teaching, and so on, would actually improve the overall conditions of the prison, would also make the prisons more secure, because people would not be idling around, they would do something meaningful, they would do, so they would do some studies, and uh, it would cre create a safer environment which actually reduces the security need. And uh, that's why I actually think uh, there, there could be done more, including also, of course, other measures. I mean, all over the world, you have, uh, I think, uh, Asan Mawa has, has pointed to it, this kind of more open prisons. Here, still a lot of inmates are in the relatively high security prisons. You could have more open prisons, a more halfway house. Uh, you know, uh, in, in Hong Kong, the parole release after half the time, uh, half the sentence, uh, based on um, excellent behavior is granted extremely uh, rarely. Uh, this could be granted much more often, or uh, that means you stay in a halfway house, that means you, get, you uh, go to work during the daytime, at night you go back into the, into the kind of prison or this halfway house. This is very rarely applied here in Hong Kong, and there is much, much room for improvement there, which makes the transition from imprisonment to, uh, uh, to freedom um, more gradual. Mm. Um, 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 
as a Mawa, would you say that, um, like, uh, uh, overall, the, the system is doing not too badly? I mean, as Tobias Brander says, uh, the, the prison population has, has dropped considerably. It was, it was rough, roughly halved over the last 20 years or something. It's now, like, 0.1% of the population, and reoffending rates of uh, released prisoners has been falling as well. So, um, I'm, I'm, sort of, compared with other places, uh, how do you think... Uh, the Hong Kong system stacks up. Well, as, as I said, it, and, and Tobias has proved my point a little bit, the people in Hong Kong prisons are, are excellent. It's the facilities that are letting us down. Um, there, there are larger questions about why we have a decline in um, long-term prison, uh, prison sentences. And, and frankly, that's partly down to, the, um, to changes in the economy. But uh, s setting that aside, you, you can say the people inside the prisons are doing their level best and they're doing a, pr a pretty good job. Uh, the, the, real, the real tragedy is when the facilities let us down. And the, and the irony is there's a, uh, in redeveloping places like Lychikok to do a better job with short-term sentences uh, and short-term uh, short remand, we may end up uh, freeing up more land for housing, which seemed to be the underlying complaint by Mr. Ho and, and Ms. Kong. Um, we, want, we want prisons to go out of use and so they can be used for much more um, productive social uh, purposes. Um, yes, I, I, I want to um, pick up uh, one of your earlier points, uh, uh, Mr. Mawa, and that's, um, you know, I think the um, aim of uh, prisons uh, would be um, to make, uh, you know, uh, repeated um, offending less so they don't, uh, you know, come in and out uh, of prisons. But, um, you know, what works and what doesn't? So, you know, if you, if you put somebody in prison and they have to work and they have to make these gowns for the hospital authority, which, you know, they have to make themselves useful and then they go out and they, uh, you know, commit offenses again, uh, whatever, whether in theft or drugs, and, and then they get into prison again. And then um, I understand that there are quite a sizable percentage of these sort of repeated offenders. How do... How how do other people or how do other countries and cities uh, you know respond to this you, well uh, i i picked the finnish model uh, yeah. intentionally just because of the the great success that they're working and when you think of prisoners it's important not to think of them uh, as fundamentally different from everyone else in society uh, you, you want people to be playing sport you want them to be enmeshed in their community doing things like uh, religious worship uh, education. You want them to have a path for their future. So you actually, you want them not to be doing just doing tasks. You want them to be doing work that will become their profession, become their their future. Uh, you you want it to be a a seamless reintegration into the society. Uh, you want less time where people are just sitting. What I think what Mr. Ho called sitting in a corner. You don't want them sitting in a corner. When people sit in the corner, just physiologically, they're prone to depression. They're so, uh, prone to antisocial behavior. That's that's the opposite of what we want. It, it's not effective social policy. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Professor Brander. Yes, I absolutely agree. It couldn't have been said better. Uh, uh, so uh, it's also for the internal, what is important is also that uh, these all kind of programs, uh, educational programs, religious programs and so on, they contribute to the internal security. I mean, the staff is 
the prison staff is grateful for these activities because it enhances the internal uh, security. It makes people more kind of peaceful. It uh, makes them more purpose-minded. Uh, people who are just hanging around there, they get depressed and they are much more of a, a risk to the overall uh, environment. Yes, but I understand that uh, people in remand, um, they are, uh, it's not necessary for them to work at all. Yes, so, right. so it means that they they lead a quite a boring life. They will just yes. sit and watch TV. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. is there anything else they could do, Professor? Yeah, the same thing. I mean, they can. Uh, there are some religious programs. They, there are some educational possibilities. Uh, but I think, uh, as been said before me, I think a major problem is not the prison, but the judiciary. With uh, my experience, I don't have the numbers, but I think the um, time that people spend in remand is ex excessively long, and uh, it's also legally problematic because that means. They, they could still be actually declared innocent, but they have already spent a very long time in prison and uh, in, in remand, and that's prob problematic. And uh, I, yeah, they could. Uh, they, they are very much on their own. They may get some support from their families to get uh, to read some books, but it's it's very difficult also to focus in very crowded conditions. I mean, the people they spend their day in in a canteen in a day room, uh, which is extremely noisy because there are several TV sets blasting their programs uh, and then there is a lot of chatter and to talk and so on. So it's very difficult to find a peaceful corner and to read something meaningful or to do, to do, uh, to study. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. But uh, but thank you very much uh, to both of you for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, professor Tobias Brandner, a prison chaplain and associate professor at the Divinity School of Chongqi College. That's at the Chinese University. And thank you very much to Barrister Azan Mawa. Thank you. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be talking about what everybody seems to be talking about uh, at the moment, and that is the topic of uh, bedbugs. Um, we have uh, with us now uh, Francisco Pazos, who's uh, founder of uh, pest control company uh, No Bedbugs Hong Kong. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so... Um, it seems that um, there's a lot of concern in different parts of the world. Uh, it, se it seems that there have been infestations in, in South Korea, in Paris, in London. And now the concern is that, oh, well, it's going to happen here. You know, everybody's seen that, the picture of the bug or two bugs on the seat of the airport express. And, but, I mean, also our understanding is it's not a new problem. Of course not. Uh, yeah. Well, bedbugs have been with us for over 5,000 years already. Uh, they were thought to be completely eradicated in the 60s when the people were still using DDT, uh, uh, but they, they developed resistance. So about 15 to 20 years ago, they made a big comeback in New York, and they have been all around the world for a while already. Uh, uh, during the pandemic, because the people were not going out, there was a, a small decrease, and we were expecting to have an explosion of bedbug cases uh, after the pandemic, 
uh, now with uh, uh, all the news is being like everybody calling <laughs> everybody think they have bed bugs but the bed bugs have been with us for thousands of years mm -hmm. and, and i was reading a, a quote from you said uh, for bed bugs um, hong kong is like disneyland it is it <laughs> is uh, for the conditions of living in hong kong and the density of population mm. uh, uh, bed bugs transfer from people to people uh, usually uh, we find bed bugs in the backpacks of the people yeah if you go to the mtr uh, the people have bed bugs in the backpacks and then the backpacks go touching each other and then the bed bugs transfer from one person to another. So it's, uh, it's not that you will have bed bugs for being dirty. You will not have bed bugs for any other reason than either you went somewhere with bed bugs, somebody with bed bugs came to your home or you interacted with the bed bugs in a way. It's like the head lice is similar. You will not have head lice uh, uh, in your class if no other kid has them. Sure, sure. So apart from, you know, it, the, 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 the notion of bedbugs actually sounds very awful, um, you know, what, what are the harms of bedbugs? Uh, the, 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 the harms are basically not that, not that much. It's just itchy. They can, they can do a lot of bites. Uh, one bedbug will bite you once a week, around average, yeah? What happens is that the infestations keep growing. Infestation usually starts uh, by you getting one female, pregnant female, to your home, one female uh, pregnant with one single uh, uh, bite, one feed, and one uh, uh, one time that they make babies, <laughs> they will they will give you around five days per day for 21 days. So one female will lay about 100 eggs. Those uh, eggs they will take about one to two weeks to hatch. Half of them are gonna be male, half are gonna be female. Uh, and then they go through five stages before they become adult. Once they are adult, you will have 50 females laying 100 eggs each. Then you can get to like millions of bedbugs in like three, four, five months. Then if one bedbug is biting you once per week, you can have a million bites in a week. Not everybody develops a reaction, but imagine that if you have a reaction of 1,000 or 1 million bites in, in a week, you know, like... So, so the infestation was already here. There's already in, there's sort of certain parts of Hong Kong where you know the bed bugs would be more common than, than others. Uh, obviously, there are more cases of bed bugs in, in places with more people, mm. but we do uh, we do uh, treat from the most uh, exclusive homes in Hong Kong uh, to, to, the, to the subsidized apartments where right. we do work. So that, I guess that, that just shows that they can occur anywhere, really. Yeah. They can. So, so, so uh, are you saying that it is difficult to eradicate them? It is extremely difficult. Bedbugs is known uh, in the pest control world. It's known as the most difficult uh, uh, pest to eradicate. Not but for us. Are, for there, us are, are there different methods that people have been using and which have proved <laughs> effective? Uh, there is a, 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 what we do, we are 100% effective uh, and we provide one year warranty to our customers. We do use a combination of uh, things. One of them is to do a heat treatment. Heat treatment means that we make the room hot like a sauna, about 60 degrees Celsius, and then uh, we, we keep the temperature. We do part of the, of the work inside of the room. Uh, the bed bugs die at 48.9 degrees. Uh, so this way we kill a lot of them. And also we developed a, a, an insecticide, which is a powder, that has been recognized by a, a, some of the most a, a, a known professors in the world about bedbugs, like the best product in the world for bedbugs. 
we do export the powder. It's developed and made in Hong Kong, and we do export it to Europe, Australia, among others. Then what we do is we combine the heat treatment together with the powder, and that gives us a, a, an, an excellent, uh, a 100% success rate. Mm -hmm. Other options, like insecticides, uh, there is a, a, a study that has been, a, a paper that has been uh, presented a couple of days ago in Washington in the Wall Entomology Congress by Dr. Alvaro Romero from the New Mexico State University. And then with him, we did collaboration of sending uh, uh, bedbugs for him to test. And then he was testing the kind of bedbug, uh, the, the, the breed of bedbug, can be either common bedbug or tropical bedbug. And then he was also testing uh, genetic modifications for uh, insecticide resistance. He found out that the bedbugs in Hong Kong uh, are one of the most resistant to insecticides, to the common insecticides in the world. Uh, the bedbugs, to develop ins uh, insecticide resistance, they have to develop one out of four different genetic modifications. The ones in Hong Kong, they all had three genetic modifications. Wow. In the US or in Europe, they usually have one or two genetic modifications. It's very interesting you say that they were almost eradicated in the 60s, bedbugs, worldwide. Uh, yeah. That's what we think uh, about worldwide, and then we, were, we have to always uh, put everything in context. Worldwide in, 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 the, in the developed world. I don't believe that in other countries less developed, mm. they actually disappeared, mm. but there is no much record for that. That's why we have them um, again. The thing is that the insecticides that were used before, they were killing bedbugs yeah. and also they were killing people. Yeah, you mentioned the, yeah, DDT, which, is, yes. which I think is banned now, isn't it? It's, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's banned mm -hmm. most around the world. Mm -hmm. so, um, so as individuals uh, going here and there and travelling on the MTR, people on the MTR with backpacks knocking into you and everything, I mean, is there, is there anything that we can do to try and you know, protect ourselves from, from you know, picking up a hitchhiker? or? Yeah. Uh, uh, the same answer that we give to all of our customers. We do provide a preventive treatment that we put the powder, the powder that we, put, that we provide, that we develop, is effective for a very long time. Then you can read online and then you can talk to many people. They will tell you, when you go home, you have to take out all your clothes and put them in the washing machine or put them in hot places. And you have to destroy your life mm -hmm. to avoid the option of having bed bags. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the world right now, there is two kinds of people, actually three. There is the people who never had bedbugs, the people who had the bedbugs, and the people who had them more than once. So you can say two people is the ones who had them and the ones that will have them. But this will happen to every people most likely, or to the most of the population in the world will have bedbugs, like headlines. So it's, um, it's just a meaning of you have a bite, like an insect bite? Correct. And um, it's itchy? Uh, depending, not uh, everybody has a reaction, not everybody develops an, an allergy. And how long, how long does it last? It depends. Uh, we have customers, uh, if they bite me, I don't feel it. Uh, but we have customers that they feel itchy for a very long time. Okay. Are, are they difficult to spot? Because they're, they're, quite, they're quite small creatures, aren't they? I have some. Yeah. I have some here, if you want right. to see. Oh, uh, right. Okay. okay. <laughs> they uh, are the size of, um, of an apple seed. Around. Right, right. Uh, I see. Okay, what we might do, we, we might get our producer to take a picture of that so we can put it on our website or something like that. Excellent, uh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. so, mm, yeah. 
Um, so, what, what, what are your suggestions uh, to to people? I mean, I'm I'm not such an extreme person that I have to take off my clothes and put it in a very hot place. But what is a reasonable response to make sure that your home has a more has a lower chance of of getting bad bad you know the bad bugs? What we do in the company uh, with all of us, all the technicians that we work in the company, is the same the same uh, uh, suggestion that I will give always to people. Again, it seems like marketing, but it's the thing that works. Uh, the, the powder that we develop, the powder that we use, is effective for very long time, for more than two or three years. In our homes, what we do is once every few years, we put a little bit of powder, and then we never get bed bugs at home, not of not any of the technicians. Uh, that is the thing that actually works without making your life uh, uh, too hard. Otherwise, Every day when you get back to your home, take out all your clothes before you go inside, put them in a bag, put them in the washing machine at hot temperature. Well, a lot of people did yeah. that during the pandemic, you know, because, because of the uh, COVID. Um, they, they wash uh, every time uh, they, they go home. So maybe that's why, you know, there's a decrease. I think that the decrease was because there was less interaction, more than washing the clothes. Uh, uh, the decrease was because the people were not going out that much, the people were not going to restaurants, and there was less interaction uh, between them. I think uh, uh, washing the clothes for bed bags, which is what the people will suggest, you need to put them at 60 degrees Celsius. And although uh, the bed bags will die at 60 degrees Celsius, there is one problem in the washing machine that the water is at 60 degrees when it's going out of the pipe, but once it touches the clothes, the temperature goes down, and we have seen bed bugs going out of washing machines. Mm -hmm. Right. And what about if you're, say, you're overseas, uh, say you're staying in Seoul in South Korea, where they've had apparently had a problem there, and, um, and you're in the hotel room? Um, anything that you should do with your with your clothes and personal belongings, right, to try and avoid uh, picking mm -hmm. up bed bugs? The first thing I would suggest people to go online, finding YouTube ways to inspect for bed bugs. Your uh, hotel room. Mm -hmm. If you find any sign of uh, bed bugs, go to reception and tell them, I think I have bed bugs in the bedroom. Would you give me another one? They will always, they will always be very happy to help because they don't want to have okay, a report. Okay, where do we find the bed bugs? In the corners of the bed, in the, in the headboard, in the edges, you know, in the joints, mm -hmm. you will find some black dots, like, a, like, a, like if you make them with a pen, with a black pen. I was looking here because maybe you can see some, yeah? Some small black dots. Yeah, there's like you say, like sort of the size of apple seeds. Yeah. Uh, no, the black dots is the okay. poop of oh, the bed bugs. Oh, oh, right. Okay, right. because okay, they will always evidence. go back to the place I where see. they poop. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> they follow the pheromone. The pheromone. Okay. All right, wonderful. Well, I'm afraid we're, we're out of time for uh, this morning's uh, program, but uh, but very interesting conversation. Hope that everybody can sort of, uh, you know, avoid uh, avoid getting bed bugs uh, in the apartment. So, um, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Francisco Pazos, uh, founder of No Bed Bugs Hong Kong. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for letting me come. Okay, and uh, in just a moment, we've got a news summary um, followed by Brunch with Noreen. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks very much to you, Ada, our co-guest presenter this morning.